This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. I like, I like now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week here in our LA studio is Justin Davis. Cool. And we are also joined from his home pinball arcade, Sam Claiborne. Hey, I wish I could be there in person. And maybe there won't be like saws across the street in my home pinball studio this <laughs> week, as there has been in previous weeks. As no, no, keen listeners. Sometimes I hear some. Come down somehow. <laughs> yes, the trees do have to come down they somehow. Gotta, they gotta come down. What are you gonna do? Just leave the tree there? <laughs> yeah, this is I a don't city. Expect these these poor people to use axes. They have power tools. They gotta use them. These poor people. Well, we we have a great show for you this week. Even though there's only you only get three of us this week. The the triple scoop. Uh, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about Bethesda's bizarre behavior, and that will not be the last alliteration of this show. Just Ooh. So. Mm-hmm. We'll also be uh, discussing a listener email. Interesting topic. What are what are the gateway drugs of games? Allow our, our listeners. You had not gotten to that yet. You'd only gotten to the alliteration. Yeah, so I'm I'm just saying that's I'm not doing it all again now. Understood. What are the gateway drugs of games? Our our viewer or listener will explain. But first, on the subject of the games we're playing, I am back on my Baldur's bullshit. Back into Baldur's <laughs> Gate Three. Good. Uh, after two months, and I was a little bit intimidated, but I, I it took me maybe an hour just to like ease back into it, and it's yeah. good. I, I'm. I'm Loving, loving that game. I finally made it to the Underdark mm. last night. Are you in a certain act? Are you in act Well, I yet? think, I mean... Underdark is still act one. Yeah, but I, is that not how you go into act two? Uh, there's two pathways to act two. You can go through the Underdark yep. or you can go over the mountain pass. Yeah, which I got to. And then the game was like, just heads up, you're way underleveled for this area. So I was like, okay, I'll search for the Underdark. Yeah. And it took me like several nights because there's, I think there's four different routes into the Underdark and none of them are straightforward. 
I went through the, the Hags Tunnel. At least four, yeah. Oh, that's an unusual way to get in Is there. it? Yeah. That's what I ended up doing. We did, went through that whole thing. I fought the Hag and then accidentally knocked her out instead of killing her. So she's just unconscious. Oh, no. <laughs> Is she going to join your party? No, I don't think that's possible. And I wouldn't want her anyway. No. Would not want... <laughs> she's not a pleasant individual to be around, Sam. She might be the most evil character in the game, including who ultimately reveals himself to be the villain of the game. Well, yeah. That it's pretty... could be an asset for any team. Yeah, that's true. Someone that uh, will do just really evil stuff. Yeah. Kidnap maidens. <laughs> but it is great, and I love it. And, you know, I, we've talked a lot about how I, I story is not usually a draw for me in games. But, man, in my campsite, I'll just talk to all my companions and just listen to them talk, yeah. whatever they have to say. And that's very unusual for me because the game is that well written. Well, and you're still at the part of the game where everybody starts the game as kind of an asshole, and that's yeah. and that's in order for them all to have real actual character arcs. Yeah, like, sure. But, you know, and then it becomes, it's satisfying and really good from the beginning, but it becomes kind of ultra satisfying and really, really good as these characters mature and become friends and sort of change or in some instances regress and like, oh, it's just great. Yeah. Great game. Really. Were you a talker in Red Dead or Mass Effect? What do you mean? Just like talking to people? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Those are games where those opportunities arose a lot. I found myself in both those games talking to people at camp, basically. Yeah. So definitely like more often than in other games for sure, just because those guys are also very well written. Yeah. But I think. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a game where I'll just listen. Any dialogue in the game I will listen to, even mm -hmm. seek out because it's so, so well done. There was a bug when I played Baldur's Gate 3. Um, Will would constantly have the little dialogue thing over his head, no matter what. Even if he didn't have, like, when he didn't have new dialogue, the a little alert was still there that, like, he has new dialogue. Yeah. And, like, I think that they squashed that bug in the months since. Um, but it was just, it fooled me every single time. I would go back to Kath, uh, and I'm like, oh, Will. And I'm like, ah, no, he doesn't have anything to say. Got me. Anyway, Baldur's Gate 3, uh, if you haven't heard by now, it's a very good video game. Coming out on Xbox. Coming out on Xbox. We'll get that release date next week at the Game Awards. And they announced it. Woo. Did you see the uh, the, the patch? patch? Yeah. The like Patch the 5, which is out today. We'll have to update. I mean, it adds a whole um, epilogue, which I'm nowhere near <laughs> getting to. but Which it is. I mean, look, I, I think Baldur's Gate 3 is probably my game of the year. I need to reflect between that and Zelda. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, it's really, really good. One of my criticisms is that Especially because it's like it's like a hundred hour game if you're really trying to talk to everybody and do everything, and then it kind of ends a little bit on a whimper. Mm. Um, I mean, oh. not really. Like, it's, I'm not going to spoil anything. It's got this big sort of satisfying conclusion to the storyline, but then then it's kind of just like, well, okay, bye, you know. And it needs that kind of it needs that kind of like moment. I don't know that much about the epilogue or what it adds, but like, it's a game that's really worthy of one of just like kind of a final, you know, like Lord of the Rings has like five endings, yeah. right? Yeah. And like. It, it's supposed to be that. It's supposed to wrap up a bunch of the characters' stories in a better, yeah. more fulfilling way. Yeah, like, there's story... Again, it's kind of hard to get into without spoilers. Like, the story's definitely, like... It's not like the game felt unfinished. It just felt like... You just wanted, like, another beat, another kind of moment of, like, closure with them all. And I'm hopeful that the epilogue, like, when I play it, it sounds myself... Like. Yeah, I hope it adds that. Yeah, it's, it's set six months after the end of the game. It's in camp. That's oh, great. Everybody's there. Well, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> within, yeah, yeah. Reason. If I have a criticism and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, and this could be because I'm playing on PlayStation 5 and dealing with a little bit more of a clunky interface than mouse and keyboard. Mm. In combat, I think there's just, there are too many abilities and things that you could do. Like there's <laughs> multiple wheels, like, uh, like four or five wheels of 
attacks and spells you can cast for each character and they're not really explained to you so just most of the time i ended up i just end up using my basic uh melee attack or ranged attack and that gets me through battles you're just attacking i mean it's just, there's just so much you can do and it's like whoa i don't need all these menus in my face there are a lot so the pc version and i haven't seen the pc interface with a controller i've only seen the mouse and keyboard interface but I feel like the game does a good job. Every character has a million actions that they can perform because there's your standard action. Like every character can shove or sprint or do this or that. There's kind of the standard attacks. Then there's the class specific stuff. Like, you know, fighters have special maneuvers they can do. And like, but at least the sort of hot bar on PC that sits at the bottom of your screen is like pretty customizable and powerful. And you can get it to a place where like, you know, it, it strikes a balance between being overwhelming but still having everything at your fingertips that you need. Like it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a UI triumph in my opinion on in combat. Like inventory management's a different story. It's yeah. pretty bad in that game. But and but they've obviously made fixes to that too with this new patch. Too. Yeah. Um anyway. Do you what class is your player character? High elf paladin. Paladin. Paladin's the right class. You're probably not level five yet. I think we're. I think I'm level four. Yeah. Oof, man! You get a huge power jump at level five. Every class does, cool. and that's like another wheel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just they pile another wheel on. It's fine. No, I think paladin. I mean, it's been a little bit since I played the game. I think paladins and fighters just get to attack twice each turn instead of once. Cool. And so that maybe doesn't sound that cool, but if you think like it's literally just doubling yeah. your damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. It feels really good. And every other class has an equivalent of like, you know, druids get something really cool and then wizards get something really cool at level five. That's like a milestone level. I look forward to it. And Sam, you 100%ed Mario Wonder? Whoa. I did. I think I'm the only person on staff to have done so. Uh, you have to do a big post game, uh, you know, cleanup of all your stuff. And I was, I was planning on writing a little 100% guide, but it does the thing that other Mario games do where your like profile picture has these little like like used to be stars but now it's medals mm. and there's six of them so you have to get all the three coins in each level and you have to do you know all this other stuff but really you know fighting the secret access stuff like that you can use a guide for all that what you can't use a guide for is to beat the final final trial Ooh. and uh you know if you're not planning on doing that like watch a video it, it's like it's so unbelievably mean <laughs> and uh I, I i i told damon this earlier i i spent like, you know, uh, I started playing it like Saturday, like maybe like 9 a.m. And by 10 p.m. that night, I'd beaten it. And I, I took breaks. I was doing things. I had Saturday things to do. Yeah. But I kept coming back. And I was just like, that's how long it took. And I remember the last time this happened, I think it was for Mario Galaxy 2, the final trial. I did that same thing in the office one day. Like the first thing I did was I was writing the guide for that game. I came in, I put on my capture and just sat there and I was just doing it. People were coming by and bugging me all day, you know? And I was just like, I, I, I know, I know I'm playing this again. Yes, yes, it's yes, yes, but I have to focus. And finally got it, but like it was that hard. Like it, it was that much of a challenge and it was really, really fulfilling to finish it. I mean, and, and see that final little star next to my name. It's become like a Mario game tradition. I, I, I kind of can't remember when like the final gauntlet in a Mario game started, but like Mario Odyssey. Oh, actually Odyssey had one, right? Yeah, Odyssey's, Odyssey's that's what I was just going to say. Is it was like, I think it's like 25 yeah. minutes long and you get one life and that's you can't. Right. I forgot about that one. And so is Wonders kind of like that? Yep, it's just like that. It's extra long. But the difference is that they, um, I mean, the final level is a badge trial, which you, you, if you've played badge trials throughout the game, yep. 
you know, you know what they are. They're like a really hard wall jumping segment or a really hard running fast. You can't stop segment, you know, but uh, they just string those together from the hardest of hard ones. And they don't put they don't put uh, flags after every single segment. There are some flags in the level, though, some midway mm -hmm. points. And so you'll have to like you'll be you'll you'll spend 20 lives doing this perfect figuring out how to do a wall jump se segment, for instance, right? With disappearing blocks or something like that. And then you get to the next area and you die immediately. <laughs> and then you realize you're going to have to get so good at that wall jumping segment that you get you're able to test the next area. And then you're going to have to get so good at that that you have to like get test the next area. So it's just like the the muscle memory you develop is the 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 beauty of of a, a platformer Mario game. You know, like I can now play that level start to finish probably flawlessly even though I didn't have to play it that way because like it's it's just locked in there now and I have you couldn't do it otherwise. You know, there's like there's no there's no other option. You just have to like it's like Mike Tyson's punch out. Mm -hmm. You 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 just have to learn every single button command at the right time and you know, that's not for everybody and the whole game is not like that. You know, but it makes me like you know want that type of level and dlc or something too like it's just it's just so well made and, and such a rush when you get it done but you know one thing to 100 percent this game you have to get the uh top of every flag in it yep mm. so <laughs> after getting through this whole level you can very well beat this like last four <laughs> segment part without any checkpoints and miss that flag. Oh no! Because oh my God. and especially in this level, because like it's one where you're invisible, like you literally can't see your character, so it's like hard to see if you're gonna hit the flag or not. It's just mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I got it my first time. If I hadn't, I would have played the level again. Like I would have had to. You don't have a choice. I, I needed the picture of my completed profile for the guide. You know, yeah. like I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Well, Oops. nice, wow. nicely job, Sam. Yeah, no small feet. And I hope I, I, let let us know if you do that. Uh, write write us because it's it was a pretty fun experience. I'd like to hear other people's experiences. Maybe maybe you should work in game help. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah. the other thing I've done recently is I watched the first three episodes of Monarch on Apple TV Plus. Anyone else watched it? This yeah. is the Godzilla you show. Think? You watched this, Sam? Yeah. No, I I've completely slipped my mind. There was a lot of things to watch over this holiday break in America. We had a, we had a holiday this past week with some days off. And this is the one that I thought, oh, maybe I'll have time to watch this. But no, I'm just playing a dumb Mario level yeah. over and over again. I think it's pretty boring, oh. unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm three episodes in. My fear all along is that they were not going to have the budget to really show much monster action. And that's yeah. absolutely true. And so three episodes, three hours maybe a minute yeah maybe a minute of monster footage in there and then the rest is just you know really? these human characters talking and it's not that interesting where are all the monster fights get these people out I mean, of here <laughs> you, you joke but yeah kind of um it's like interesting it's like the backstory there's there's this part of it is telling the backstory of monarch the organization that tracks these titans and is yeah. aware of them from like the it goes all the way back to like the 30s 40s 50s and that part is kind of interesting, but it's all just like, it's so stretched out because it's a TV show. If this were like a, a neat little two-hour movie, that it might have worked a little bit better. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was hoping they would kind of like do the kind of twist on it and like be like, oh, we've never heard about kaiju monsters like being, you know, talked about or used or, or, or worked into the, you know, reality this way. And yeah. I, I suspect that's what they're going to do with this series, right? Like they got to do some kind of twistiness with it. I mean, I hope. Like, I mean, I'll... I'm obligated to keep watching as, you know, a Godzilla super fan. I, cause I just have to know what is, you know, what's happening with the canon. But uh, I, I was, I find myself being pretty bored. I do like the fact that they um, cast Kurt Russell and his son 
to play the older and younger versions That's cool. of himself, and that works really well. That's nice. I didn't realize this at the time, but his son is the evil Captain America in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Kurt Russell. Ah, I didn't realize yep. that either. But I, I can now that. picture that. His face is recognizable as a, as a Russell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've never seen that character again, by the way, in the MCU. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it just disappeared. As I, I didn't, Lane from Seinfeld uh, recruited him. And yep, then, yeah. <laughs> What's going on with any of that? Anyway. Happens. He was recruited. I never finished that series, so I, I, I actually, I didn't. That, that's fine. Yeah, I'm caught up on Marvel. I've seen it all. Loki was fantastic. That's what I hear. None of that's even in Loki. I mean, everyone says Loki's fantastic, so I, I will watch it, even though I was not oh, impressed with season not one. A boring minute in that okay. show. It's you really didn't like. I love season one. Well, I like the set dressing alone and Owen Wilson and stuff like that. But I thought I thought it was really good. But dude, season two. Oh my gosh. Oh man. It's Whatever. So says, to watch. You want to know what show's great? If we're doing an off-topic section, sure. real quick, is uh, yeah. Scavengers Reign on HBO. I think I've heard oh, yeah. about. So it's an animated show. IGN gave it a ten out of ten, and we're not alone in that. It's getting critical praise everywhere. And so of course, like I went into it, like oh, this show's gonna be really good, but like it exceeded my expectations. Like, it's amazing. Whoa. Like, it's one of the best things I've watched in a long, long time. And like, right from moment one, it's about, it's a sci-fi show about these people that crash land on an alien planet. And the and the alien life on the planet is so weird and different where it's not just like, well, you know, it looks like a horse, but it's like an alien horse. But like, they're just like, they're just crazy. Like crazy alien designs that do all this weird stuff that feels really alien. And, um, and it, and it, and it sucked me in from like moment one. And then I just sat there mesmerized watching several episodes. Um, when I saw stills of it, I thought that the art style looked like a little bit boring and bland, but like in motion and when it comes together with everything, like it's really like, it's just, it's unbelievable and worthy of its masterpiece score from us. Okay. I'll check it out. Oh, that's great. I cannot wait. It's great. There's also this new season of Fargo that I have to watch. Ooh, that's also supposed to be very good. Anyway, getting back to games. Uh, you may have heard this week that Bethesda has been responding to negative reviews of Starfield on Steam. And this is such a bizarre story. It's, first of all, it's unusual for a big AAA developer to do this. I think it's more common for smaller indie devs to... Well, right, like that's been like watching this story evolve. That was part of the uh, part of just the cultural conversation the last couple of days has been well, actually, this is a really, really normal thing. And if you respond, like, when a dev developer or publisher responds to a negative review, sometimes they'll flip that review. Like, oh, we're working on that bug, or we understand you didn't like that part or whatever. Yeah. And then the negative review will turn positive. And then that can hugely impact people's, you know, uh, uh, where they rank on yeah. the Steam store and impact them in the algorithm. But the unusual part is just Bethesda doing it yeah. and not some small indie. Yeah, and... Their responses are like, I don't think their responses are going to be changing any people's no. minds because they're responding to reviewers who are saying the game is boring basically by saying, no, it isn't. Yeah. Like, that's it's, what they're saying. It's not, it's not, they're not, they're not being defensive. They're being very friendly and very yeah. nice, but there's an edge of like, yeah. not really acknowledging people's complaints. Yeah. Like, so one of these reviews is from someone who has 56 hours logged into Starfield. That's um, that's a lot more than I played of Starfield. They called it boring and overrated, as wide as the ocean, as deep as a puddle, blah, blah, blah. A lot of things you've heard about Starfield. And so I'll read the response if you haven't seen this. This is, comes from uh, a Bethesda Kraken developer is the, is, is the username, and they signed a Bethesda customer support. It says... Greetings. Thank you for taking the time to leave a review for Starfield. We are sorry that you do not like landing on different planets and are finding many of them empty. 
Some of Starfield's planets are meant to be empty by design, but that's not boring. Quote, when the astronauts went to the moon, there was nothing there. They certainly weren't bored. But, and that's just, <laughs> the weird thing is like, that's not some like well-known quotation. It's just something their coworker said in another interview, <laughs> I think with Time Magazine or with New York Times is what it was with. That's from Ashley Chang. Bethesda's managing director just said that in a New York Times interview, when the astronauts went to the moon, there was nothing there. Why are they just quoting their coworkers? Whether they're, we don't even know if they're bored or not. They're trying to survive on an alien planet with sixties technology. Yeah, it's just a little bit different. Just a little bit different. Yeah, it's very funny. I don't know why. It is funny to tell people that, like, hey, this empty, this empty place is not like it's not actually boring. What they're missing? That's the part that they're missing. You don't need to tell people that. Yeah, it's very, it's very normal. Maybe not for a company the size and scope of Bethesda. It's very normal to respond to negative reviews. Like you see it on the App Store all the time uh, in game reviews there too. But usually it's like, you know, it's an acknowledgement of the issue that they're having. Like we're sorry you experienced that. We appreciate your feedback. Like you know, we hope to address this in the future. And Bethesda's has a little bit of an edge of like, nuh-uh. Yeah, exactly. Because they're responding to reviews that are saying it's boring. But that's in, you know, what is and isn't boring is entirely subjective. So yeah. if this person said it's boring to them, like it is, you can't just say, no, it isn't. Because to that person, it is. They should probably be, so instead of responding, like they probably need to be selective about the negative <laughs> reviews they respond to. And they should be responding to the ones that are like, I don't like that it doesn't have DLSS support. And they can be like, we just added that in a patch. Like, exactly. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. Like, yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Measurable. The whole, the whole thing is like expensive. Like just to like sit somebody down and pay them all day to go respond to Steam comments. It's really interesting. And I, I, would, I it's just like, it, it's an effort, right? It's an effort to expend. And like, then you see the number of comments that are negative. And I don't even know if that strategy would even work. So, like, is it just even to, 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 to like, turn the tides of the, you know, Steam score? I just don't, I can't possibly see it being effective. So, like, now I'm wondering, like, is this also just a goodwill strategy to get people to be like, well, I'm not down on Bethesda, but I'm, you know, like, yeah. I just didn't like this game. Like, they're, 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 they're cool, though. Because, like, after, after this and Redfall, like, there's a chance that Bethesda's brand is going to be hurt, right? So, like, I, I wonder if there's, like, some other campaigning going on there for that. It's hard to tell. Well, the timing is weird. And also, like, we should acknowledge that Starfield was a huge success at launch. Like, yeah. And it got good totally. reviews. You know? Yeah. And it, we gave it a it's good review. It's favorite game of all time. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because they're, they're um, user rating. They have a mixed user review rating at 69%. Does that flip at 70? Probably. That, if we could just get a few people to change their mind, it'll be positive. Yeah, 1%. So that's exactly, that's what, like, this is one of those things where, like, everyone makes fun of YouTube channels that are like, ring that bell and hit the subscribe button, people. Yeah. But it's a proven fact that, like, you get more subscribers and yeah. if you say that than if you don't say that. And so it is with this. We're like, we're talking about it on our show and they caught some negative impressions for it. But it's like, it's proven to work, right? Like if you do this across 500 user reviews, you can expect X percentage of them to flip from negative to positive. And then that would, I don't know if the threshold is 70%, but that seems yeah. very likely that like they're right on the line of, um, of their mixed, you know, label, which is yellow turning to like the positive review rating, which is blue. Like that's a very real thing. And then that, and yeah, then that can the, make, the, you know, it can make a big difference to their Steam sales. 
some of the reporting today has been as that there's just so few people playing it compared to launch and right. how mm -hmm. the, the player count has dropped so much, you know, and like, you got to think like they also want that to not happen and they want to sell games for, you know, the upcoming holidays. So there must be some kind of push there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, that, as I reflect on Starfield, you know, I like Starfield. I agree with IGN's seven out of 10 review. It's good. Like it's not my game of the year. I thought it was a good video game, but like, it not being a contiguous world like Skyrim, where I can go north, south, east, and west, I can just wander around and get into trouble and meet people. It's yep. like that kind of, it's kind of like the game could have been, could have been amazing, the best game ever. And I still probably would be less enamored with it than I was with Skyrim because it's not yep. a single contiguous landmass. Mm -hmm. There are 16 and a half thousand people playing Starfield on Steam right now. How many are playing Skyrim? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Just a real-time searches yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skyrim, right now, 21,000 oh. <laughs> more people playing Skyrim right now than are playing Starfield. Oh, no. That's the stat. That's the headline. Yeah. Granted, that's not, you know, all the usual asterisks of, yeah. like, you know, Starfield is probably an Xbox first game and yada, yada, but still. Also, this quote that they're all parroting, this internal quote about how when the astronauts went to the moon, they weren't bored. Like Sam said, that was, it was human beings landing on the moon in the 60s. Yeah, they were literally going to die if they're... Compared to whoever today just sitting on their couch, loading up a video game, a medium that showed them thousands and thousands of wonderful things over their lifetime. Yeah, they're, they're going to expect a little bit more than well, landing on the barren moon. I... I, I I also want to point out, too, that it's very, very famous that NASA, these are like Marines, you know, that went to the moon. They've often said they were boring. They would be asked frequently about space. And they'd be like, what's it like? They'd be like, it was boring. That's, they're like, it's a job. That was a frequent response. I, I think it was. Yeah, like, so don't emulate that in a game. For the, the, space travel's boring. The original moon landing, like I think their schedule was planned down to like the minute, right? Like during these two minutes, you're doing this. These two minutes, you're doing that. It's like they were just rote automatons, like ticking boxes the whole time to get there and back alive. Yeah. One guy stayed, you know, on the orbiter and didn't go on the lander, right? <laughs> he just sat in a, in a spaceship and waited for that. For three days. You know, like that's what it... He didn't even have fast travel. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, funny business going on over at Bethesda. Sam, breaking news. It's perfectly likable. Breaking news, Sam. Atari 50 is getting new games on Tuesday. What? Yep. I didn't see that. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't hear this. And there's a mystery that we need to try and solve right now. Wait, mm -hmm. where is it? Oh, here, okay. I'm going to slack you this link. Because they're hinting at what, what what these games are, and they've they've just they're using emojis to hint at one at what this game is. Oh, but you gotta okay. You, but I mean, for the people that are arcade games, I'm never gonna know them because like the Atari cartridge, you know, depth is so deep that I just never even see. For the people to play along at home, and for me, you also need to read out the emoji. Yeah. So one of them is basketball, basketball, ball hoop, basketball, basketball hoop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. We got that. And the Atari 2600 game, Basketball, was not already included, so... Me thinks. <laughs> mm. Yes. This is great. <laughs> the game is afoot. <laughs> one is... One is bl blue, blue diamond, yellow diamond, ear of corn. Yeah. 
So what is, yeah, I think it's, it looks orange to me. Blue diamond, orange diamond, yeah, ear of corn. Just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the, I don't know what Atari 2600 game that would be. This is a fun game though. This is another a, this one. Is a is, game, uh, game. Car and then horse. Oh, is that what? Car and then horse. Oh, what's the, um, the co- stagecoach? Oh, is there a, maybe is there is there a, a stagecoach? There's I think there is. There's Chase the Chuck Wagon, which is a, oh that's pretty good a, too. It's like a Purina dog food tie-in. No, maybe there isn't a stagecoach game, but I thought there was a game where you play a stagecoach. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of Stampede when you're just a cowboy and the horse and you're lassoing <laughs> cows and sheep. Could, maybe that's what it is. Car horse. Yeah. And then what's the final final one is like the water blaster and then some like water polo? Maybe there's water polo. Was there a water polo game? It's not a gun emoji anymore. There's only the water gun. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So but that could just be any shit. Oh, oh, okay. There this is very no. confusing. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it's a mystery. I wish they'd add more like trailers and just stupid stuff to watch. Maybe they will. Uh did you see that Digital Eclipse announced that the next gold master? That's uh, what I wanted to bring up. Oh, uh, Mariah has brought up here. If you, the, the, yeah, those are the emojis. Thank you, if you're watching now, now you can see. You can. We need some s- sleuths out there in Scoop Nation to help us identify these games. We know basketball, but what is blue diamond, orange diamond, <laughs> corn, <laughs> car horse, and water gun, water polo? That, but again, that's just gunship. So it's like you know, that's probably. I don't know my Atari games very well, but it's. Oh, maybe it's battleship. Yeah, or something, something like that. Or, mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I bought, um, just because I want me and my family to all hate each other, I bought, we're getting a copy of Battleship for Christmas. Cool. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> it's just a two-player game, though, right? Electronic Talking Battleship? No, but that's what I had growing up, was Electronic Talking Battleship. Yes, it's only two-player, but whatever. We'll play as teams. It won't It's matter. a fun game. Yeah. My kid can uh, play, like, uh, Memory. And so he loves Spider-Man. So I think I'm gonna get the Spidey and Friends memory game. We just Great. turn, over, turn uh, over the cards. You could probably do this getting old. You could do Connect Four. He's played Connect Four. Yeah. Candyland. He gets down with Candyland. Oh God, I'm so glad those Candyland days are over. It's a very boring game. It's basically the monarch of board games. <laughs> it's, it's also like it's such a lesson in like bad game design of like you flip over these numbers and if you get the ice cream you skip the entire fucking game like it doesn't make any sense at all anyway sam was saying yeah the um, next gold master series released from digital eclipse this will be the follow-up to the making of karateka is uh being revealed next week on december 6th uh, as part of day of the devs such a good line. Yeah, like, such a clever. They released two emoji for it. It's a uh, light bulb, space no. invader, watermelon. <laughs> they didn't release two emoji for it, did they? No. 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 Anyway, I don't. I I don't know what it would be. Maybe they could do Prince of Persia. They should do Prince of Persia. Ooh. Yeah. Is that too easy? No. I mean, there's so much. Like Jordan McNair, like loves to talk about it and document it. They still have well, all the original. I'm just wondering, back to the back, you know, oh. but I, I think that's mo- most likely just because it's like they would have done that all at the same time. Yeah, you know, exactly. Just... Okay. It's a Prince of Persia game coming out. Next week, Thursday, December 7th, are the Game Awards, uh, which means we're going to get a lot of Game announcements, reveals. Usually we get world premieres. But they announced they're not, they're retiring that. This is what Keeley said in an interview. He said, 
actually, you'll see this here, we often put up those cards, world premiere, world premiere. We're kind of moving away from that just because everything's kind of, is it a first look? Is it an announcement, etc. So we just treat it all as great game content. Sure. Great game content. <laughs> I don't know if that's an attempt to temper expectations. I don't know. I mean, it would become kind of a meme and not necessarily in like a positive way. That's true. Uh, he also tweeted, I think just today, just reviewed the near final cut for one of my favorite announcements next week for the Game Awards. Something new and unexpected. Ooh, something new? Hmm. What? New and unexpected. <laughs> diamond, diamond core. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> uh, in all seriousness, though, I think what Death Stranding Two was revealed last year at the Game Awards. Uh, Keely and Kojima are buddy buddy. Mm-hmm. Highly likely we'll get to see more Death Stranding Two. I hope it's an eleven-minute long out next year. Yeah. yeah, I hope the trailer is eight minutes long and incomprehensible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, that's a given. Are you still excited for Death Stranding 2, Sam? Oh my gosh, yeah, of course. It's my favorite Kojima game. Even topping Metal Gear Solid 5. Interesting. Well, Metal Gear Solid 5 was great, but I only got to the first ending of how many there were. Hmm. I don't Maybe. think that game ever, like, you're never, like, done with it. There's always, like, ah, there's another chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I think earlier this year, I sort of, like, like, picked it up and started fresh again, being feeling really excited because I hasn't, hadn't played it since 2015. But it didn't really, I was like, eh, yeah. actually maybe on second thought, I don't feel like playing this again. Maybe not. I love stealing all the stuff in that game. Yeah. It's the best part. That part is really the best part. Yeah. We know Xbox is participating at the uh, Game Awards, so educated guesses, Stalker 2 is supposed to be out in early 2024. Mm. I think we'll finally get a release date for that. Hellblade 2 has been shown at the Game Awards since 2019. Wow. So. That's a little bit of a yawn for me at this point. Well, I just see I'm it's just saying, out. it is time to come out. Like, come on. We got, yeah, put the game out. Give us a release date. Put that game out. Make sure it's good. That big giant was scary, though. Remember yeah, that? that mean, I liked that giant. Dude, the trailers for that game are unbelievable. Yeah. So I hope the game lives up to them. Yeah. Any other, Sam, any other sort of predictions of what we'll see at the game awards? Or maybe let me uh, uh, phrase this another way. On a scale of one to 10, how likely is Perfect Dark to be there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that'll be there. <laughs> that's the. I think, but Microsoft said they'd show up, right? Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah, that's what I said. Maybe. Um, yeah. So there'll be something. Maybe. I mean, maybe perfect. Like maybe, maybe gears. Your sixth. Yeah, it's about time. That'd be yeah. nice. And I'll, I don't know if that's like a cheat to have like a Bethesda game too, because Microsoft can just be Bethesda stuff now. Could it's get, so much easier for them to show up. Could get Starfield DLC. Starfield DLC is is a good bet. I think Avowed, since that's supposed to be out next year. Wait, can't can't Microsoft just like show off a World of Warcraft, uh, you know, update this year and say mm-hmm. they were there? Yeah, yeah, that's true. We I bought that Starfield DLC because I bought the. It came with the premium edition of the game that unlocked it five days earlier or whatever. Mm. Oh yeah, well then I guess I have it too. Then. Yeah, <laughs> whatever it's out. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a history of uh, companies just showing like, announcing games at the Game Awards with a little teaser trailer and then just falling off the face of the earth like Perfect Dark and like Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would like to see one of those Marvel games the most, I think, uh, uh, like Wolverine. Uh, I know me and Wonder Woman, I'm just talking about superhero yeah. games. Yeah, But um, I'd like to see that. Or um, And then uh, uh, I think Dragon Age is probably like next year, right? So seeing more of that would be cool. 
I don't know if like that would be likely, but also like, what about that Mass Effect foot? Don't you think we'll see a more Mass Effect soon? They well, have the... But I think they're going to do Dragon Age first. They keep teasing uh, both of them. Like, I don't yeah. really know. Yeah. Could be um, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth stuff, Sam. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, and like, I just want to play that game. Like, yeah, I, I don't really, really care it. about seeing a bunch of it. I, I just can't wait to play it. Although I did like, I think they did like, like short live streams which showed a bunch of that for Final Fantasy 16. I would like to like see that maybe for Final Fantasy 7, but you know, trailers and stuff won't mean much to me. Yeah. Can't wait to play it. Anyway, it'll be a fun, the, it's always fun watching the Game Awards and we'll be doing our, our usual post-show uh, coverage here yeah. at IGN. Please be excited for that. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Of course, behind the scenes, we're working on our own Game of the Year stuff here at IGN. Uh, we've been all been voting on that stuff, so all that will be announced in the coming days and weeks. But I wanted to call attention to something cool that's happening out there in Scoop Nation. Scoop Nation has organized their own Game of the Year uh, voting really? this year. I love it. First time ever. It's happening over in the Facebook group, which you should absolutely join if you haven't already. Yeah, uh, and uh, all the time. I didn't see this though. I'll check. Yeah. Uh, big thanks to uh, one of our admins, Matthew Forchi, for putting this together. And so, like, last week they had everyone just vote their top three games of the year, and they collated all that data. So now they've got uh, 10 nominees, and the nominees are, not in any order, Sea of Stars, Tears of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Hogwarts Legacy, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Alan Wake 2, 
Final Fantasy 16 and Star Wars Jedi Survivor. It's a good list. Sorry, was Diablo in there? No Diablo in there. So, but Sea of Stars, that's pretty cool. Sea of Stars? What happened to Diablo? Everybody thought that would be Game of the Year. Oh, I think people soured on that pretty quickly. I, it's been... Just the, because of the, the, the DLC stuff. Well, yeah, the worm turned on that game really quickly. Like, yeah. it launched, and everybody loved it, and loved its kind of return to its gothic roots. And then I, I didn't play the game myself, so I don't, you know, I don't know how much of this is real versus how much of this is just manufactured gamer rage. Um, but, like... The first season or like whatever post-launch, like they kind of fumbled the ball a little bit and have been trying to recover ever since then. Yeah. The impression yeah. I get. There's also like like gross microtransaction stuff in there too. Yeah, but that's, you know, it's 2023 in video games though. <laughs> yeah. That's just that's just table stakes at this point. It's true. You got to have a bunch of monetization garbage to ignore. <laughs> <laughs> well, voting in the... Uh... Scoop Nation Game of the Year uh, Award. Well, it goes through Monday night. What is Monday the 4th, I believe? Nobody knows. Yeah, 4th. Uh, I, you know, it's a Facebook poll, so you can see the results in real time, but I I could share them where they are right now, but I don't know if that... Should oh, I no, not? Yeah, no, don't. I mean, but anyone can see it. Anyone who goes to vote sees it. Then do. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I think <laughs> people... He, I think he, hearing what what's in the running will make people more likely to go vote. If we want more votes, we should say... What the current leader is. Okay, well, the current leader by a country mile is Tears of the Kingdom. Ooh. Oh, well, then it won't be overturned. Uh, unless that, there's a concerted effort. Tears of the Kingdom currently has 45% of the votes. The runner-up is Baldur's Gate 3 with 27%. Baldur's Gate 3? Well, to uh, Great game. To make sure I don't have any you know, recency bias, I started playing Tears of the Kingdom again. <laughs> oh. That's all I've been playing. I know. I'm, so it's all okay now. Yeah. I I've, I want to finish that game too. I'm on like the last thrust. Still great. I'm on the last thrust of that game. Yeah, I never I never finished yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was telling Damon I did a I did a, like a sequence break, and then that kind of threw everything off for me, and so I started doing a bunch of side stuff. And now I'm going back on the main stuff, and I had to I had to basically force the things that I missed to happen by going to a sequence of places that I just kind of assumed is where to go, and it kind of treated them like side quests instead of main quests for me. I mean, they put them in my main quest, but like. I didn't have to do it. I like I was in this conversation. They're like, "Oh, you you know about all this already?" It was so great. Like it, the game allowed me to do this really cool sequence break. That's good. What's the name of the? People are gonna accuse me of being a fake fan now. But it was months ago that I played it. Who's the post office little hawk guy that like shows up everywhere yeah. you go and he always says "fly high" or whatever yeah. it is that he says? Yeah, I, I know what you mean too. The news, the journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saw you later. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> I just I don't know why that just popped into my head. I can't recall his name, but as I like, if I you're just like yesterday, I don't know yeah. his name. <laughs> if you're just like Justin, picture Tears of the Kingdom in your mind. For That's some <laughs> reason he's like what? It's like that, and then my horrible contraptions that never worked right. Yeah, I go back and forth. Which do I like better, Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom? Really? Yeah. Is it clear for you? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, Tears of the Kingdom. I don't. I mean, Breath of the Wild. I also I'm, love. I'm wavering now too. I just think that's a really interesting open question for me because I I do know it, it improved on all these things, but that doesn't necessarily make it like my favorite. Uh, you know, the first time I experienced the world was really amazing. Yeah. Oh man, I, I I like what. Obviously, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but like I think that the dark is incredible, and that like yeah. we talked yeah. about this when the game was contemporary. But the loop between going down down there, you're going to the sky to get like the light up berries and then you go down to the dark and then you get a bunch of loot yeah. and stuff out of that, the depths and then coming back up, it like fixed, you know, just every single problem that I had with, uh, with breath of the wild, what a perfect sequel. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I, just, uh, I when I think about the two games, Breath of the Wild feels more like I was uh, exploring. It's like a more of an exploration game, and Tears of the Kingdom has like more epic moments. This definitely like you're you're dominating the landscape in Tears of the Kingdom. Like mm-hmm. you're getting the ability to kind of fly over it and control it and master it. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, you're kind of like you're a victim to it, and you're going along with the flow, and it's yeah. more like street level. Yep. I, last night, I, uh, I, I, I had just gone through the the desert stuff before I I, I, or I, I, I had to finish the desert stuff after I dropped off and stuff like that. So I did that, and then it opens up the sky above the desert, and I saw there's an island, but it's really far from everything. So I had to like pull out all the stops and like use a device to get really high and really far over to it, and then float down to it and use stamina. Like it was like crazy to get there, and of course like since I hadn't played it in like a month or something, I'd forgotten that like what's usually on those is something that's going to kick your ass. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, the, the, the King, whatever they're called, the, what's the, what's the three headed dragon called? The Gleox? Gleox. Gleox. Yeah. The, it was, you know, the King Gleox. Yeah. Which just started, I, I saw it like pop in, you know, the texture just started to pop in and then it popped in. I was like, damn it. But I landed anyway and I fought it once for a long time. But what the problem was, I, I beat these before. Like I can do it. But you need a lot of uh, the bat eyeballs to do it, mm-hmm. and um, to, to make it the, like, easy on yourself. I'm sure there's other ways to do it, but I, you know, I had just enough bat eyeballs that I thought I could beat it, but I ran out, and then it beat me. So huh. I got That's my goal for tonight is to to figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do there. Though I think I maybe have some frozen keys eyeballs and stuff like that I can use that I didn't look for last night. Mm. I just used my standards. When you're in the depths, can you use amiibo functionality to drop stuff in? I think so. Even though you're in the depths, like they're not, it's not dropping from the sky. Just still drop. It'll still drop in. I believe so. Okay. Why? They don't drop from the sky. They just kind of hear. There's a poof in front of you. Okay. Okay. That just gives me some ideas, uh, uh, ways I could finesse my way through the last little bit of the game. I think. Yeah, yeah, because you're on a long depth <clears throat> stretch. Yeah, I love the continuity of the uh, the. God, what are those weird little banana loving people called? Yeah, that they ambush you everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Yuki Clan. It sounds like we've never played this game. <laughs> well, I just couldn't. It's, I'm also Yiga very Clan. tired. The Yiga Clan, and then, but then in Breath of the Wild, there's like such a clever little bit of continuity. Of I had to go back and watch a clip of Breath of the Wild. You fight the Yiga King or Clan leader or whatever, and then the way that you defeat him is you knock him into a pit. Mm. You knock him into a pit, yeah, and it's like, so haha, game over. But then in Tears of the Kingdom, like he's yeah. down in the depths, like yeah. rebuilding the Yiga clan. He's cooking with all the with all the different components. It's great. It's like Crazy. such a great little bit of continuity. Yeah. I love that. It is awesome. Okay, real quick, let's check in with the listeners. Hey listeners. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Al from Atlanta, Georgia did. Al says, I've been watching your podcast for over seven years as a part of my weekend ritual. I'm 40 years old. I've enjoyed watching you all become fathers who still game. I'm the father of two teenagers. I think this would be a great question for the team. What is your most favorite gateway game? If marijuana is considered a gateway drug, what game was your introduction to a love affair of a genre? South Park, The Stick of Truth was my first turn-based RPG. I've been a fan of the genre ever since. Slay the Spire was my first ever deck building game. And that inspired me to follow PC gaming because there are more options there. It's a pretty good answer. Both but Slay the Spire is a very good answer for like deck builder. Mm-hmm. Spelunky was my introduction to roguelikes. 
I'm pretty sure. Can't think of a roguelike yeah. that I played before that. I would maybe, I mean... Spawn- I'm weird when I tried a bunch of Metal Gears that I didn't like, but then I played Peace Walker because I had to for mm. work, and I really liked it. And now then I now I understand Metal Gear. Like, it just made me understand how Metal Gear games work because I was forced to sit down and play it, but I still don't like 3. I've, I've tried. I'm just not, I'm not saying it's a bad game. I just don't like it, and I need that remake to, to come through and mm. fix some issues for me. I think that Spelunky is pretty hardcore to be uh, like a gateway into... Well, roguelike. I don't think I'd played a roguelike before that, though. What about Rogue Legacy? That was before Spelunky? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Spelunky led to it all. Rogue Legacy. Uh, yeah. Darkest Dungeon. Dead Cells. Slay the Spire. Sure. I mean, I'm still looking for a gateway into uh, uh, Souls-likes. Because Elden Ring, you know, I played through the first three bosses or something after like Damon and I talked extensively about how to do this and make it enjoyable, but I never beat it and I don't want to play it anymore. Yeah. And like I, I lo- ended up loving El- Elden Ring, but it didn't inspire me to go seek out other souls likes. Mm. Not yet. Anyway. Not yet. Anyway. I don't know. It's like as a lifelong gamer who like, you know, the first video game I can ever remember playing was spy hunter on the NES. Wow. The NES, you never played in the arcade before that? I mean, I was five, like, you know, so maybe yeah. like, I don't know. Um, but like it's hard for me to like you know we've talked about this before like just the institutional knowledge of like of course you hold down the run button when you're playing a mario game but like our kids don't know that like new gamers don't know that like it's hard for me to think much about what mike what gateways would be into specific genres actually well let me ask you this what do you think was your gateway into first person shooters well goldeneye because that's interesting because i i would say perfect dark for me yeah and then but then doom you know doom but I didn't. I don't know that I had a PC that could run Doom at the time. I did have Wolfenstein 3D, but I didn't think much of it at the time when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but I remember like not being into like big online shooters or that kind of the concept of that. And I got really into Halo 3, so like that that changed my mind. And then I went back and played Halo 1 and 2, and loved yeah. them. Halo 2 was my like basically every Halo was my gateway into team-based multiplayer games. Yeah. For sure, and then and then StarCraft was my gateway. That was the first game I ever played online against anybody, like competitive multiplayer in a video game. Mm. Yeah, I've never had like a gateway MMO. I've never even played like one that I've stuck with or anything like that. You know, World of Warcraft. Whole genres I haven't even tried. It's a great game. Classic, right? Yeah, I love turn-based strategy games. I think my gateway to that was something a little. not widely known, Military Madness on TurboGrafx-16. Okay. It's a hexagonal turn-based strategy game that takes place on the moon, I think. And it's basically, it's the Advance Wars like model. But I think I played that before Shining Forest, one of my favorite games of all time. So I think Military Madness is probably my first turn-based strategy game. I mean, I have a very stereotypical, I think the first RPG I remember playing was Final Fantasy VII. I think I missed the 16-bit RPGs. Or I had some, like I had Fantasy Star and stuff, but I didn't really understand them that much because I was a little bit too little. And then I played Final Fantasy VII and then went back and played Chrono Trigger and Six and all kind of the all-time greats. Mm. And I think that's a very stereotypical, I mean, you know, there's television commercials for it. Like, yeah. I think that was the breakthrough RPG for many, many people. Yeah. Well, but Sam, was Final Fantasy NES the your gateway into RPGs? Yeah, but I didn't like Dragon... Well, I didn't really care about Dragon Warrior or anything. And then I only really liked Final Fantasy games until a few other Square Enix games came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Square and Enix games. But, you know, I didn't like a lot of RPGs, but I liked Final Fantasy a lot. 
Yeah. There's a lot of, I think that this uh, idea is outdated now of like, get your partner into games or here's how to get your girlfriend into games. That's because very kind of like 90s, early 2000s video game magazine kind of thing. But like, I have a vivid memory of a person that I was dating in high school. Like I liked video games a lot and they did not. And so I'm like trying to show them these cute games, right? Like these games that girls would like. And then the game she ended up really liking was Mortal Kombat. Cool. And it's like, you know, that memory is stuck with me of like, you know, teenage Justin learned a lesson of like, you really can't make assumptions about like what somebody's going to be into or what they like or why something will appeal to somebody. It's like you just give them a menu of options and then, you know, they'll find something they like. Sure. It's funny to think back though, because like, I mean, I, we've been playing during the the kind of the genesis of a lot of genres. So like yeah. 3D racing, like I probably played all the early 3D racers. There's like Daytona and like, you know, virtual racer and stuff. And I love them all, but like, those aren't my gateway to like liking Gran Turismo now, or like I played the heck out of Street Fighter Two and Mortal Kombat, but I don't touch fighting games now. Yeah, um, you know, like they weren't gateways; they were like the first games of their genres, and I played them all, and I love them like everybody else. But I don't, I didn't stick with them. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, but then the genres that have developed that you've already talked about now, roguelikes, uh, Souls likes, uh, those those are like really interesting to look at. Be like, well, what's going to get people into those and. Sometimes there has to be a Final Fantasy VII for them, you know? And I still don't think Elden Ring was that for for the widest possible audience, but it was really a widely well-received game. Mm. My first 3D driving game was Hard Driving in the arcades. Sam, you think that's coming to Atari 50? <laughs> Maybe. Do any of those emojis work for that? There was the car. The car in the hole. Did you kid that one? Did, did that have the loop that went upside down? Yes, it was amazing. And I just wanted to go in the loop and then Split drive screen. off and crash my car and watch the windshield break. Yep. That's what I did the first time I played F-Zero. I was like, <laughs> I just like, when I was a little kid, I was like, whoa, how cool is it to watch your car blow up on the city in the distance? <clears throat> yep. It looked awesome. All right. That brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Andy from Harrison, Ohio. Only two of you this time. Let the questioning begin. To be fair, Sam and I usually carry it anyway. <laughs> Apologies yeah, to all uh, the, the, the scoop guests. We've been on a streak unless you count last episode. That doesn't count. Which was 100 questions. We're not on a 100 question well, streak. We're on a 20 questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are special episodes. I don't think they count. That's also very different. Well, we did really bork that one. But it's totally different trying to guess five in a row than just doing one, right? Like you get, you get fatigued, you get tired. I, I I'm still it. tired from that, though. <laughs> I said it on the show. It's like, that's a real thing. You get to question 60 and your mind, brain gets mushy. Yeah. Uh, okay, this that's game... That's somebody was like, you asked the same question right in a row. I'm like, like well, of course they did. <laughs> yeah. They should try it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Make their own podcast for 700 episodes. Yep. Oh, they can be the second <laughs> video game podcast. <laughs> so it's really... I mean, Damon, look, you, this is a controversy. I think someone should make another one. I'd, I'd prefer they didn't. <laughs> we don't need a second video game podcast. One is enough. We already have a podcast about video games. <laughs> we have we, we have games at home. <laughs> um, okay. Did this game come out in the 70s, 80s, or 90s? Yes. Cool. Uh, was this an arcade game at any point? No. Did this game originally come out on 16-bit consoles? No. Was it after the 16-bit consoles? Yes. Ooh, but it's still a 90s game. Did this game originally come out on the PlayStation 1? No, oh. that's five. Did it come out on the Nintendo 64? Yes. 
Big brown cartridge. My favorite. Yeah, I like that the N64 carts are dense and kind of heavy. Mm. Uh, okay. The, the, was I thought they justified those $85 prices. <laughs> yeah, at least $85. was crazy. Man, Nintendo got hammered in those years where it's like all these PlayStation 1 games are $39.99 and yeah. $49.99. Yeah, and then totally. like I got Mortal Kombat Trilogy and my grandma was so mad because it was like $85. Bucks. Um, okay, was this game developed or published by Nintendo? Yes. Ooh, we're going to get it for sure. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a lot of those. Was this a... Uh, Go ahead, Sam. Well, did this take place in the Mario universe? No. Is this game made by Rare? Yes. Oh. I think it's I think it's the Mickey Mouse Motor Speedway racing game that was made by Rare. The underrated... That, everyone forgets that game exists. It can't be Banjo Tooie because that came out in the 2000s. You're right. You're right. Well, okay. I mean, there's not that many of them. Um, <clears throat> is there? A... Did this game have a? Uh, well, go ahead. There you go. Well, did the, did this game? Did you play as an animal? Do you play as an animal in this game? That's a good question. Yes, and that's ten. That's a good question. Do you play as a foul-mouthed animal? No. Okay. That's 2000s. Do you play as a human in Jet Force Gemini? You're rescuing the little critters, but I don't you think... You play as a dog in that game. <laughs> Is that true? You play as the dog? Yeah, it's the the girl, the guy, and the dog. Got it. The the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you collect jiggies in this game? Yes. Oh, well, <laughs> that's specific. I I you're right that Banjo Tooie came out in 2000, but just to just to just to put it to bed for sure. Is this yeah, the first fun. game in a series? Yes. Okay, is it Banjo-Kazooie? Banjo-Kazooie. Hey. 14 questions. I feel like you gave us an easy mode coming back. Uh-huh. Well, I picked this when um, uh, Mark Medina was going to be on. Oh, look at this <laughs> look B-roll. <laughs> high bitrate video. <laughs> look, if you're watching GameScoop at home and you're a younger gamer, this, this is what Banjo-Kazooie looked like. This is really what it looked like to us. Like, this is, it ran at this frame rate. And in my head, I picture the game, like the the, the Xbox 360 version, right? Like, yeah. it's beautiful and widescreen and higher frame rate, but no, that's not what it was. I keep showing video like this, I'm going to hit my internet limit for the guys, <laughs> so keep, take it easy. What? I don't know. Oh, this is the, oh, this is the Nuts and Bolts teaser. Oh, no. This is the teaser of what would become Nuts and Bolts. Banjo, Banjo's eyes always looked weird in this one. I guess Kazooie's too. I, I think I think Nuts and Bolts gets a bad rap. I like Nuts and Bolts. Yeah. I played through the whole thing. It's just such a case of like, just not giving, it's just too weird and different as a sequel. Yeah. But like, it's a totally fun and good video game. It's a very good video game. Just not. I would still expecting. play the, the heck out of a Banjo-Kazooie game now. I know. I, but, I tried ukulele and it was just okay. Like, I want to play Banjo-Kazooie. It's yeah. a real thing. I got bamboozled by both ukuleles. What the side rolling one too? Yeah. yeah, and like they're both like they're both good. They're both like totally well made, but I'm just like ah, it's not like hitting the same. Yeah, yeah. Ukulele didn't do it for me either. I loved both Banjo Kazooie and Tui, and then I I, I think I reviewed the uh, Xbox 360 re-release in 2008. Wow. And but I just... think Mario 64 was my uh, gateway to mascot platformers in 3D, because then I played the well, heck out of Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. 3D platformers for sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> It's weird that like, so like Banjo-Kazooie is a, a college game for me. I was in college when that came out. Oh, and then yeah. 10 years later, it came to me 360 too. when I was working at IGN and I reviewed it. And I 
in my mind, I think, well, this is a game from my childhood, my distant past, but like now it's been farther away than that. So much farther. It's just, oh, time is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Did you play it on 360? I, yeah. I I think I played through most of it again on 360 because it was so smooth. Yeah, it was great. They did widescreen like and everything. That and Perfect Dark, they run so well. Perfect Dark is so playable today on Xbox. I've played it twice on 360 because yeah. I played it when it came out. And then, you know, like what, like last year, two years ago, I just played through it again. Yeah. It's the best, most underrated thing. I don't even know if you remember the, the Xbox, the N64 original, you had to get all 100 jiggies in one life. And like they fixed that in the oh, 360 right. version. And there's one level like Clanker's so Cavern difficult. or the boat level, Jolly Roger Bay, whatever. No, whatever the boat level is called was the worst for that. Because some of the jiggies, like three of them would be like yeah. way over here. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. I liked that challenge. I mean, at the time, I 100%ed. I remember 100%ing Banjo Kazooie for sure, and I beat it. But then when I played it on the 360, the I I remember distinctly not being able to find jiggies, or not jiggies. The the, the what are they called? The notes, just yeah. notes. And in the the Halloween level, there there was some that I just could I could not find three <laughs> or something. And I, I even at that time, I had to use a game back, you know, like like text guide. <laughs> And like it was so unhelpful, but then I had all these flashbacks to doing that at the yeah. time, right? You'd like read through, be like, three notes are in a wine barrel in the basement. Yep. Three notes are in you know a chimney that you have to get up at the top. Like, and I just couldn't figure it out. I just never figured it out. They're probably down in the gutter. You can go down inside. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and guess. No man. Um, no. no you, and do you can like squeeze it? Yep. Do you turn into things in yeah. that game? Yes. You, yeah. You do that in that one too. Right? Yeah. Because in the second one, I remember that more, but you, you definitely turn into something in each level, like a washing machine or yep. something. Yeah. No, that was a very real, it's like, again, if you're a younger gamer, you don't understand the pain of like, there's a hundred notes in every level, then you get 98 of them and you literally can't find the last two. And you're like, well, like mom's screaming at me to turn the N64 off. <laughs> and like, if you don't get all 100, yeah. like you're just hosed. Yeah. And leave, so, just leave it on overnight. Sometimes I, would, the TV. sometimes I would leave it on overnight. Yeah. Oh, I did that with every system ever. I've always left that on. Sometimes I'll, I'll realize I'm doing that with like current systems. I'll like pause it and be like, oh, I'll be back. Like, well, it's been like three hours. That was the, Usually your TV or whenever I'll turn off, but you know, you know switch le- one. Leaving the N64 on was the original Quick Resume. <laughs> yeah, true. I think I leave. It's great. I mean, my friends did that with the NES and, and with the NES, you could, you could like jiggle it and it would completely <laughs> lose your stuff and it could wipe your save yeah. for like Final yeah. Fantasy or something, you know? The, the 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 Super Nintendo was a little bit safer, but the NES was like, it was like a, a box with springs inside of it, and the game is just suspended on those springs. Like you know, it's just it's you, know, you open it up and you're like, no wonder like this thing if you like just pull the pull up you know a controller out, you, your game just resets or goes blue or whatever. Uh, well, Andy from Harrison, Ohio says Banjo Kazooie is my favorite game, my all time favorite game. I even named my cats Banjo and Kazooie. Cute. Love the show. <laughs> Viewers, listeners, if you have your own suggestions for video game 20 questions, email them to me at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com. And that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Next week, we're going to record a day later on Friday so we can talk about all those world premieres. Or, no, what is it? It's just great game content. I'm in core. Yeah. That'll be fun. It'll go up a little bit later in the day on Friday next week, but we'll still have an episode for you. And not many scoops. There's only, after this one, there's only three more scoops this year. That can't be right. It's right. It's true. Three more scoops this year, so. We gotta, we gotta, I gotta Let's get do them all next week and then okay. we can just kick back. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Man, can you believe those, that news? <laughs> <laughs> all 
Uh, well, Justin, always... we can just talk about how much we don't like Starfields for another three weeks. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, mean, like, I, I do like I Starfield. Like Starfield. I didn't. I didn't love it. I'm we like no. You guys, I do not love Starfield. It is a video game I liked. I liked Starfield. <laughs> Me too. Hmm? I'm gonna go play it right now. Okay. Well, Justin, it's always the middle of the day. A tree to have you in studio. I'm glad this is happening more often. Yeah. Sam, you gotta you gotta come down. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about it next week. We'll see. Uh, my name is Damon. Oh yeah, thank you to Mariah working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. Thanks, my Mariah. name is Damon. This is IGN Games. We're out. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.